Well, today we're talking about prayer. You know what I find? Prayer is such an elusive thing. It's it's easier to teach on it, to talk about it, to organize ministries to do it, to study about it and read about it than it is to actually just pray yourself. Though that, that conversation with God, it's easier to talk about how much you pray than actually pray, isn't it? What is it inside that moment that is so elusive to us? To have, to have a conversation, to have an interaction, to, to talk and listen to God. It, 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 has, it has driven all the way into Hollywood. Deep mystery. I think oftentimes we think about prayer as something that a, that a monk or a nun or a priest, or a pastor, or, or some spiritual professional would do. But why would an average person be concerned about prayer? I mean, as an average person sitting here this morning, why would you concern yourself about prayer? God listens to, I mean, let's face it, God listens to professional people pray all the time. He listens to people who've been who've been trained in prayer, prayer warriors, intercessors, pastors, priests, probably even a few modern-day monks. That can be pretty intimidating to a person who unloads trucks, or a housewife, or a teacher, or a policeman, or somebody who, who doesn't naturally fit in that field. I've probably... I'm trying to think, maybe, maybe not, but it, it seems like to me right now, one of the greatest challenges in the Christian walk is I've heard people verbalize it to me. I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say, especially when they're young in faith. I haven't been trained. I haven't been prepared. So a lot of times what we do is we decide that we're going to wait and talk to God at those really important moments, like five seconds before a car wreck. Whoa, God! Cry out. Or maybe at the birth of a new child. God, this is so incredible. Or maybe at Christmas and Easter. Or maybe when I'm at the end of my rope. Of all these sets of clothing here, there's a reason. Which one do you think would best visualize your prayer life? If you had to say that one of these was your prayer life, if, if one of these, which one of these best reflects your mindset when you enter into prayer? In a spiritual sense, which one of these would be most appropriate to wear if, if you're going into your prayer closet to meet with God one-on-one. It's this one. Your, your preparation for prayer, your mindset in prayer, is more like a swimsuit than anything else. A, a lot of people believe that prayer has to be formal on an individual level for it to count. 
You ever heard anybody pray in King James? Where does that come from? Think about prayer on a personal level. Just you and God. Just you and God. What would prayer look like just between you and God? Many times we take the formal things that we've learned in a church setting somewhere, in a corporate setting, and we try to, we try to walk it out. We try to make it work on our own prayer life. But when a person puts on formal wear, you know, you're going to the prom, you put on formal wear, you shave, you do your hair, you clean up, you, 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 you make yourself look as good as you can look. But the event's over pretty fast. You turn the rental tucks back in, you slide back into normal casual life, and, and prayer becomes quite a chore when you try to make it a formal event. Most of the frustration that I've had in prayer is, is been through trying to make it something it's not. When I tried to make prayer be something it wasn't, or tried to make prayer do something it wasn't going to do, that's where most of my frustration in prayers come from. And I suspect that you're probably like me in that way. Intimate prayer becomes a struggle and ceases to exist in a place where a person tries to be something they're not. Tries to clothe themselves in formal religion. Formal spirituality. God, I mean, be honest. For those of you who walk with the Lord for a long time, you may have to look back a while to remember a time like this. But be honest, in all of our lives, isn't there those moments that you have been so excited to do your devotions or pray or meet with God or, or, or run to Him because you had lived a good Christian life in your actions for a little while? And you were running in there to the prayer closet because you had put all this on and you said, Look, God, I'm all cleaned up. You know what happens? We're born into a depraved state, which means that we learn how to interact with the world externally. We learn how to interact on the outside. So we, we tend to formalize, we tend to clothe ourselves, we tend to be concerned about the image that we project to other people. And as we walk through this world, we learn to project a certain image. And then somewhere along your lifespan, you meet Christ and you run in there to the prayer closet and you're shooting your image laser at God and it's not doing anything. You're projecting that image of yourself that everybody else believes you to be. Or maybe you believe you to be. You're projecting that image at God. And God's saying, no hablo inglés. It's not working. It's not coming through. Some people criticize. I mean, it may strike you wrong when I say prayer's a, a swimsuit deal. Some people criticize that and say, hey, if you were going to see a king, if you were going to see a president, you would put your best clothes on. You're right. If I was going to see him once, that's what I do. If you want to pray once in your life, fake it. But if you went and saw a king or a president every morning of your life, year in and year out, there would come a point that he would say, we don't need these formalities. We know each other. Come on. Come on in. 
No, no, no. It's, I, I know you were running late. You didn't have time to get your tie on. Hey, we know each other. Come on in here. Come on in here and sit down. God doesn't live in a massive palace surrounded by security. He lives in the deep inner resources of our inner life. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. I'd love for you to take it to your prayer closet and, and, and think about it. What is prayer? Coming to God knowing that you're fully accepted by Him as you are. Coming to God knowing that you're fully accepted by Him as you are. You don't get all decked out in formal wear and walk around your house every day. I mean, there comes a point that you let your guard down, you put your shorts on and your sandals and you chill out. You, 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 you know, now listen to me for a minute. Think about, think about, you know that you really, what you really look like on the inside and you know that you look much better. I'm speaking of your inner life. You know in your inner life you look better. I know in my inner life I look better in a tuxedo. I know I look better when I grab all the spiritual sounding and looking things I've heard in my life and I hang them on me in my inner man. I know I look better. So my tendency in my inner person is to put that stuff on and then run into prayer and say, God, aren't you proud of me? Ta-da! Look, God. Look what I've done. Look, look how I look. Look what I've become. You know that you look a lot better in your inner man when you put the tuxedo on than when you put the swimsuit on. So our tendency, I mean, Adam and Eve from the beginning, what happened? Their eyes were open and what's the first thing they did? Hid. What I'm saying to you is this is the 21st century version, upgraded, of course, of the leaves that they hid behind. In your inner man. This is the upgraded version of what they used. It's just another, it's another way to hide. Prayer is coming to God as you are. Prayer is coming to God as you are and coming to God as He is. Face to face, no interference, nothing in between. It's being honest with God about anything and everything. God's not really a tuxedo kind of God. He's not really a tuxedo kind of God. In the Old Testament, that's sort of a tuxedo version of the kingdom. The high priest would go in and all of his robes and all of his garb and all the protocol. He would go into the Holy of Holies and the high priest really made prayer happen for the people. He really did prayer for them. But the Bible says in the New Testament, a better high priest came who ripped the veil in the in the inner in the Holy of Holies from top to bottom, made a way for us all to come in. That's swimsuit Christianity. Come as you are. Come like you are. Most of us on the inside don't look good in a swimsuit. We've picked up a few pounds of culture, a few pounds of bad habits. A few pounds of bad thought patterns, a few pounds of poor ways of thinking, a few pounds of dysfunctional attitudes. 
Too often the reason that we prefer formality is because it covers us and it hides us from exposing who we really are. The thing is, the thing right here is, you can get so used to doing that out here that you get up in here with God one-on-one and you don't, you just keep doing it. And you never, and you never meet God on the plane of who you are. And if you never meet God on the plane of who you are, it's hard to meet God on the plane of who He is. There, there is an honesty that has to happen there. There's two things that makes prayer real. When we tell the truth about who we are. And when we understand that we're in the presence of Almighty God. Isn't that, isn't that what happened in Isaiah 6 with the prophet Isaiah? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and my lips are unclean. He got in there and got face-to-face honest with who God was and who He was. And that's how we meet God. That's the plane that we meet with God on. So when we pray, your first effort in prayer shouldn't be to pray more. It, uh, I prayed 15 minutes, let me pray 17 minutes, let me pray 20 minutes, let me pray 20 minutes. It shouldn't be to pray more, it should be to pray more authentically. Before you start extending your time in prayer, start extending your depth in prayer. Does that make sense? Try to go deeper rather than longer. Try to go more honest rather than take up more time. Get in there and, and go as deeply as you can with God. In honesty. Turn to John chapter 16, 19 through 23. True prayer is done in honesty in the swimsuits of our inner life. That's odd language, isn't it? John 16, 19 through 23. Let me give you a little backdrop. This is where Jesus is winding down and he's telling his disciples what's going to happen. And, and what he's saying is, I'm going away for a while Things are going to get worse. <laughs> and then he's kind of playing that scenario out. John, John chapter 16, 19 through 23. Do we have it? There it is. Jesus saw that... Because he, he had just predicted some stuff. And so Jesus had the insight that they were wanting to ask him. So here's what happens. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said it? this funny? How would you like to walk around with Jesus? So just read your mind. Are, are, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a while you'll see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby's born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now hold that open right there and I want to pick up on a a different verse in a minute. Here's what Jesus is saying. I'm going away for a while, you'll have grief, then you'll, then you'll rejoice. I, I'm going away for a while, in other words, I'm going to die on the cross. You're going to be sad, but the world's going to be glad. But just hang on, 
when I come back from the dead, nobody's going to take your joy away. Now, most of the, now that, doesn't, that sounds different to you and I because our lives, most of us, are probably not destined for martyrdom. You understand, if I'm giving you parachute training and you're never jumping out of a plane, it's no big deal. But if I'm telling you I'm, I'm going away, and by the way, your life's headed for martyrdom, but good news, you'll have joy on the way to death, you tend to hear it different. And this is what's happening. Most of the disciples are going to die a really ugly death, but Jesus is telling them, you're going to have joy that no one can take away. You're taking notes this morning. What's the joy? The joy is prayer. Last week we said, if faith is praying about the same thing again, if faith is praying about the same thing again, then prayer is joy. If faith is praying again, then what is prayer? Prayer is joy. Sheer joy that comes from the simple connection of being with God. Being connected with God brings joy. And this is what Jesus is saying. I, the next time you see me, I will be the resurrected Christ. And the connection with me is going to bring you joy. And I'm saying to you this morning, that connection is prayer. The American church is so formalized spirituality and the enemy's used it to trick us so much that we have trouble, we have trouble at times thinking, well, I can't pray now or making a connection to God because of our own effort or lack of effort or sinfulness. The point of needing God is that we are broken, not that we're fixed. We want to wait till we're fixed to come to God. We want to wait till we look like this to come to God. What God's saying is, come right here out of shape as you are. Come like that. I don't need God because I'm well. I need God because I'm not well. I need Him because I don't have it all together. I need Him because I'm incomplete. I need Him because I'm broken. We are broken and sinful and basically nasty looking on the inside. Way out of shape spiritually and desperately in need of a God who will love us unconditionally. It's like when we sin, we run from God and hide. We think, well, I, I, I can't go back now. My tie is untied. I can't go back to God now. I've already taken my tuxedo coat off. I can't go back to God now. Everything's not right. And it could be weeks. It could be months. For some prodigals, it could even be years. And then there's some experience that happens that warms their heart up. And they say, oh, the path to God is open for me again. I can come back now. But that's a wasted journey. It doesn't have to happen. It does, but, but the enemies allowed that legalism to set up. But we're missing a moment of growth. Even in your sinfulness, you can grow. You know why? Because God loves you. And His love is stronger than your sin. His forgiveness is stronger than anything you can do wrong. When all hell breaks loose, get your notepad. It's a good time to learn some spiritual lessons. Don't go by your feelings. You say, but, but, look, but after what I've done, after what happened, of course you feel like you're distant from God. You just broke his heart. 
Of course, it feels separated, but don't go by what you feel. God's not going to pack his bags and leave. Our theology is twisted and it's more centered in ourself than it is in God. We say, but after what? Listen to yourself. I've done. But after all that I've said. But after, but after how I acted. Where's your theology centered? You are God. And I'm just saying, I'm going, I'm going to the extreme, but I'm just saying, this affects our daily prayer life. Our emotional, spiritual moods go like this. And we tend to connect to God based on our own emotions and guilt and sin and fear and shame, rather than on the, His identity that the veil's been cut in half. That's how you connect with Him. I'm a little excited about this. If I can, if I can come to God... Except when I'm messed up. <laughs> if I can't come to God when I'm messed up, when can I come to God? Because I'm like mostly messed up. Prayer is that connection. It's not balancing the scales. Most of us spend most of our Christianity trying to be good enough that we won't get struck by lightning when we do pray. But, that, but that's not where God lives. God's not going to kill you. He died for you. Look, look, in this, look in the end of this chapter, John 16, verse 31. I want to show you something. And, I, and I'm closing here. Verse 31. <laughs> look, look at that first verse. I, I, I know you think I have the sickest sense of humor. But I think some of these things are so funny. You believe at last... Jesus is saying, I'm nearly dead. <laughs> I'm almost on the cross. One, one wrist is hung up there. You believe. And, you know, one of the major themes through the gospel is Jesus' astonishment of the disciples' lack of belief. How long will I have to endure you? How long will I put up with you? How long will I go and you won't believe? And then Jesus says, Eureka! We finally made it home. You believe at last. Now, now watch this. Look at the next verse. But. <laughs> that kills me. You believe at last. Yay. I wish you'd have got there earlier. And I'm so excited about your faith. But. I've got bad news. A time is coming. And in fact, it's already here. When you'll be scattered. At last, you believe, yay, now you're going to be shot across the earth out of a cannon. Each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I'm not alone, for my Father's with me. Jesus says, finally, Father, thank you. Finally, they believe. Now you're all going to abandon me. Does that sound right to you? <laughs> you believe, now you're going to abandon me. I thought that would have come earlier. You believe, now you're going to abandon me. Now look at 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. That doesn't bring me peace. Good news, you have faith. Bad news, you're going to turn your back on God. I don't feel peace. Do you? 
Jesus materializes like the Starship Enterprises beamed him down. He sits in the chair beside you this morning. He says, I am so proud of your faith, but you're going to abandon me. Do you feel peace? I don't feel any peace. What is he talking about? He's saying in a few hours, you're going to act like you don't believe anything. If Jesus would have been legalistic, he would have said, don't claim it. Don't scatter. You stay with me. You're going to burn in hell. Listen, this is worth the whole morning. You believe it last, but it's going to get really bad out there. And all are going to scatter. But even when you do, you're not out. Scattered and out are not the same thing to Jesus. Scattered and out are not the same thing to him. He said, did you see verse 33? In me, you will have peace. In me, you might have peace. You can scatter, you can do some stuff wrong, you can show up in the swimsuit, and you can have peace in him. You don't have to be perfect to have the peace. Jesus is predicting their abandonment of the Messiah. But he's saying, your connection to God, listen to me, your connection to God, even when you're not perfect, will bring you joy. It's not a license. It's not, I can do whatever I want. You can do that a little while, and what's going to happen is your joy is going to die. Because you have a fake connection. You're not being honest. Not being honest. You're coming in the tuxedo pretending like you're wearing this. Even, Even when things go wrong, he's saying the connection... He's predicting they're going to go away for a while. It's brilliant. He's planting a seed in their mind saying, while you're out there scattered, while you're scattered, while you're running amok, Peter, when you go back to the boat and you drop the net down, I want to put something in your head. I want to put it in your head. You're not out. You're not out. Connect back to me and you will have joy. Connect to me. Talk to me. What is prayer? It's the deepest way. Now listen to this. There's an important word. That we connect with God, not just communicate with Him. Men have a harder time with this than women. We tend to use communication as a tool to accomplish a task. So we go pray because something needs to get done. But the communication, it's not about the communication. It's about the connection. Women tend to understand that easier. It's about the heart-to-heart, face-to-face, open, honest, transparent connection to God. Prayer's not about the results. People say, did you get your prayers answered? It's not about the result. It's It's about joy. Do you have joy? Is your connection with God bringing you joy? If you don't have joy, you're not connecting with God. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven, but I'm saying that connection will out of Jesus' own lips. It'll bring you joy. Doesn't mean you'll be, I don't have time to talk about the difference in joy and happiness, but it'll bring you joy. 
It'll bring you joy. It'll be the bright spot. It'll be the thing that when all else fails, it's going right. When I was at uh, Southeastern, I heard a... I heard a... um, a statistic that changed my life. I wasn't raised, you know, in a home where we prayed. I, our, our, the church I grew up in knew how, to, knew how to talk to you about prayer, but didn't know how to teach, didn't know how to teach me how to do it. I, I, I heard a lot of ought to have a devotional life, but I, but I didn't know how. And I remember when I got to Southeastern, I heard a statistic that changed my life. It said, the average pastor in America prays 10 minutes a day. And I thought, wow. I thought, man. And there were times I prayed longer than that already. But if I'm honest with you, it was hit and miss. Hit and miss. So I I went to the prayer chapel it's southeastern, and I went in there, and, and for for th- the uh, fourth year I was off campus, but for for two and a half years, I went to that room. I went I went four or five days a week, most of the time five, and I said, God, I can't I can't do what you call me to do, and I can't be the son and the child that you want me to be, and not be with you more than that. So stand with me this morning. I would come to that prayer chapel. And I would walk into the front row. And I always found it fascinating that it was always empty. (laughs) I don't know what that means. It wasn't encouraging. But I would go and I would take whatever's in my pocket. That's my pen. That's my schoolwork. Lord, here's all the uh, driver's license and money and that I have take my keys out of my pocket and my phone I take every identifying identifying mark of my life and I'd say God this is the way that you brought me into this world and this is the way I'm going to leave it and I come to you today I didn't know what I was saying I come to you today just as I am and Lord I need you I need you. And the honest truth is, in that little prayer chapel, God works some stuff in me, and he works some stuff out of me. In that prayer chapel, my life, nobody knew what was going on. I didn't tell very many people. But my life, if, if I look back on it, my life was shaped. Let me tell you what I learned. I didn't even realize I was learning it. But what I learned in that chapel is that prayer is about the connection to God. It's not about the result or the answer or, or the communication. Because sometimes I'd go, I wouldn't talk, and I thought I was doing it wrong, or I'd speak in tongues. And I, and I thought maybe I should just do that all the time. Or I wouldn't know what to say, or I would know what to say. But over time, over time, day in and day out, and week in and week out, and month in and month out, what I learned over time is it was about being connected to God. It's just about being close. Every eye closed.